0: y'all
1: all All right (laughs) it's that time again just like we promised same time as last week 6 p.m central standard time facebook live y'all know how we do it i am your co-host deontay
0: and i'm shakima
1: and we are the dunlaps we are them with Dunlaps. yes we is all right y'all i hope y'all missed us we missed Mm y'all we're gonna get it we're gonna get back in it to win it like we always do it All right, my love. We're going to keep the tradition going. We're going to start with you with our um, Today in History um, and Social Injustice.
0: All right. So today is May 23rd. So today's Day in History is from May 23rd, 1796. President George Washington offers reward for capture of Black woman fleeing enslavement. He offered a $10 reward uh, for somebody who was absconded from the household of President of the United States. On Saturday afternoon, O'Ne Judge, a light mulatto girl, much freckled with very black eyes and fluffy black hair. She is of middle stature, but slender and delicately made, about 20 years of age. She has many changes of very good clothes of all sorts, but they are not sufficiently recollected to describe and that was from the actual ad that he put in the American Daily Advertiser
1: um, I'm, I'm I'm tripping off the black eyes I guess that's before they knew eyes were brown <laughs> and, and yeah but I don't think they were really hair, care.
0: you know I mean I'm, I'm call just, us black and we not black
1: touche I mean you know
0: I don't know a lot of black people that's black I know some people who say they're not black that's black as I don't know what that's for another story
1: that's for another day
0: another episode all right so on may 23rd 1796 a newspaper ad was placed seeking the return of one judge an enslaved black woman who had absconded from the household of the president of the united states george washington the audacity of putting his title in the okay miss judge had successfully escaped enslavement two days earlier fleeing philadelphia pennsylvania and settling in freedom in new hampshire Known to the Washingtons as Oney, Ms. Judge was given to Martha Washington by her father and had been enslaved as part of the Washington estate since she was 10 years old. As George Washington gained political clout, Ms. Judge traveled with the family to states with varying laws regarding slavery, including lengthy residence in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's gradual abolition act of 1780 declared that black people enslaved by non-residents of the state were legally freed after living in Pennsylvania for six continuous months. Sound like how they do financial aid, you know, like how you have to okay to avoid enforcement of the law and prevent the men and women they enslaved from being legally freed, The Washington's regularly sent Ms. Judge and others in the household out of state for brief periods to restart the six, six month residency requirement. When her eldest granddaughter, Eliza Custis, married, Martha Washington promised to leave Miss Judge to the new couple as a gift in her will. Distressed that she would be doomed to enslavement after Martha Washington died, Miss Judge resolved to run in 1796. On the night of May 21st, while the Washingtons were packing to return to Mount Vernon, Miss Judge made her escape from Philadelphia on a ship destined for Portsmouth, New Hampshire. She had befriended many enslaved people in Philadelphia, and they helped her helped her to send her belongings to new hampshire before her escape the washington's tried several times to apprehend miss judge hiring headhunters and issuing runaway advertisements like the one submitted on may 23rd in the ad she is described as a light mulatto girl much freckled with very black eyes and bushy black hair she is of middle stature slender and delicately formed about 20 years of age the washington's offered a ten dollar reward for Miss judge's return to bondage but she escaped capture, married, and had several children, and lived for more than 50 years as a free woman in New Hampshire. She died there, still free, on February
2: 25th, 1848. Hmm. Interesting, her last name is Judge, but you know, that's mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. And, um,
0: if, is it okay if i do one more like after we finish talking about this one because tomorrow's is like worth talking about yeah you okay with that yeah just tell me like where your heart is because it's heavy i'm, I'm a, that's this is a trigger warning the next one is real heavy
3: I I mean, all of them trigger warning. I mean, (laughs) we just literally talked about somebody
1: who was, you know, captured for something that she was born with. She was, you know, brought put back into bondage, Mm -hmm. you know, for something, you know, for something that she was, you know, an inalienable right, you know, and that's freedom. You know, it's by by the 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 what's known was generally known to be the first president of the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's and she was a
0: mulatto. We ain't gonna try to act like we don't know how she got there. Wait,
1: you know. Talk about the land of the free, home of the brave, and this dude like, yeah, you can't be free though. It's we we got to, we got to get you back, you know. And then the amount of effort that it took and the amount of money they were willing to pay, you know, to keep somebody in bondage is 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 reprehensible. It's ridiculous.
0: You know, honestly for me, the idea of them having the machinations to start. Your six month period over, you yeah. almost free. Let me send you back somewhere else. Like,
3: got to start it over.
0: <clears throat>
3: it was a game.
0: That's how I feel about these people who just bill your car without you know. Like we're gonna continuously bill you until you tell us to stop. Like I feel like a lot of the systems we have in place. Like I said, even with financial aid, like how long you have to live in a place in order to get a certain kind of tuition. Like if you're a part of this country, I feel like
1: and it's and it's supposed to be federal student aid right not yeah you know
0: so that's the part that gets me and it's like we have so many different things to keep people in bondage right like interest on stuff that compound interest is no joke
1: like they said that's one of the greatest weapons formed against man
0: every year you got to re-register your car so we can keep tabs on you and make you pay us for driving your vehicle i pay to drive on the roads in texas Right, I still don't understand that.
2: That's Coming taxation. from somebody
0: that like you pay the toll until you pay the roll off, and then after that the, the toll booth closes. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go ahead and be the first one. I don't understand that, but
1: that's that's, that's where private own, that's where private ownership come in. And as long as somebody privately own it, they, everything they get a cut um, every you know they they want to cut every time you use it. So it's kind of like a, a, a royalty, mm-hmm. so to speak. It's my street, so yeah, you gotta pay to use it it's interesting it's
0: called a texas highway but but my family owns it that's just so interesting
1: okay
0: you ready for this next one maybe not
1: i I, I think so but you know we'll uh, you know we'll go ahead we'll rock with it all right so this one is
0: for tomorrow in history may 24th 1911 okay so white mob in oklahoma abducts and lynches laura nelson and her young son the newspaper title says, Woman and Boy Lynched. A mob enters the county jail last night and take two Negroes prisoner, t- take two Negro prisoners whom they hanged from a bridge. On May 24, 1911, shortly before midnight, a mob of dozens of armed white men broke into the Oakfusky o- County jail in Okima, Oklahoma, and abducted Laura Nelson and her young son LD. The mob took the black woman and boy, six miles away, and hanged them from a bridge over the Canadian River close to the black part of town. According to some reports, members of the mob also raped Mrs. Nelson, who was about 28 years old, according to census records, before lynching her alongside her son. Their bodies were found the next morning. A few weeks before, the local police had reportedly come to the Nelson's cabin and accused Mr. Nelson of stealing meat. When a white deputy sheriff was shot and killed while searching the cabin, Mrs. Nelson and LD, who was reported as 14 to 16 years old in news reports, but was more likely just 12 years old, according to census records, were accused of killing him. The entire Nelson family was arrested and jailed after the deputy shooting, and some reports indicate that a two year old daughter listed as Carrie Nelson in the 1910 census was also with Mrs. Nelson in jail. The prosecution's presentation at the preliminary hearing raised doubts about whether the state had sufficient evidence for a conviction. Many Black people were lynched across the U.S. under accusations of murder or assault. During this era of racial terror, mere suggestions of Black-on-white violence could provoke mob violence and lynching. Though these communities had developed and functioning judicial systems, White defendants were more likely to face trial while Black people were regularly suffered death at the hands of a violent mob without trial or any opportunity to present evidence of innocence or self-defense. In this case, after Laura and L.D. Nelson were lynched, it was revealed that they claimed to have shot the deputy as he reached for his gun and seemed about to shoot Mr. Nelson unprovoked. Before any trial could take place, however, newspaper accounts sensationalized the case, misreporting the mother's and son's ages and presuming their guilt. Press reports described Laura Nelson as a very small stature, very black, about 35 years old and vicious, while L.D. was described as slender and tall, yellow and ignorant and raged. By the night of the lynching, the Nelson, Mr. Mrs. Nelson's husband and LD's father, whose name was reported as Oscar or Austin in surviving re- records, had already been convicted of a lesser offense, sentenced to a prison term and sent to the penitentiary. He was not present to defend his family against the mob. Unconfirmed reports vary regarding the fate of the Nelson's young daughter. Some claim she was found drowned in the river, while others claim she was found alive and taken in to be raised by a local Black family. After a Black boy reportedly found Laura Nelsons and L.D. Nelsons hanging corpses at the bridge the next morning, hundreds of white people from Okima came to view the bodies. Some even posed on the bridge to have their photos taken with the bodies of the dead Black woman and boy. Those photographs were later reprinted as postcards and sold at novelty, novelty stores. The mob's choice to deprive the Nelsons of the basic rights to due process and hang them on a the bridge frequented by Black people and near where many local Black residents lived, was meant to maintain white supremacy by sending a message of terror and intimidation to the entire Black community. While the general sentiment is adverse to the method, the Okima legend wrote a day after the lynchings, it is generally thought that the Negroes got what would have been due them. Even proceedings supposedly held to investigate the Nelson's deaths were steeped in racism. When a special grand jury was called to investigate the lynching, the district judge instructed the white jurors to be mindful of their duties as members of a superior race and greater intelligence to protect this weaker race. No one was indicted, prosecuted, or held legally accountable for lynching Laura and L.D. Nelson. Mrs. Nelson and her son were two of at least 75 documented victims of racial terror lynching that took place in Oklahoma between 1877 and 1950. They are among more than 6,500 victims of racial terror lynching that EJI has documented between 1865 and 1950. So, again, this is today and yesterday, today and uh, tomorrow, and racial injustice history as provided by dr brian stevenson and the equal justice initiative for more visit eji.org.
1: was you know this
3: you know these two you know uh these two examples or um reports
1: history you know reports in history illustrates something that
3: is i don't even call it interesting we talk about you know, it's interesting when, when people talk about,
1: oh, you know, um, slavery was, it's not a new thing. It wasn't, it happened all over the world where people fail to, what I think people fail to realize is what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's not just slavery is slavery and what followed it. Not to mention the fact that America child of slavery was its own brand of
3: slavery But you think about the several decades of terror you know following slavery it wasn't enough to it wasn't enough to leave slavery alone but there had to be I I use the word terror this constant violence this un this this unnecessary violence you know it, it's it's
1: it's the one thing that never really gets highlighted and it and it bothers me when people when when people make this um make the sentiment about how it's the past and it happened all over the world and you know there
3: were you know there were other different cultures around the world that were enslaved and this that and the third And, but it's the follow-up violence that beyond, beyond
1: bondage, Mm -hmm. that's the insult to injury. Not only are you, quote unquote, pulling yourself up from your bootstraps, but you, you, you can literally be framed, tried and
3: murdered. Not even tried, really, because you're murdered, for the most part. You know, you are. your Your
1: humanity is de- your humanity is denied, and you're you're completely denied your rights.
3: Yep. And people make up anything as an excuse to hunt you down, to hunt a person down and kill them.
0: You can't say hunt them down like dogs because they don't hunt down dogs.
3: No, they don't and it's it's
1: it's just it's just one of them things that just that just blows my mind at times
3: how that part doesn't get in that that part doesn't get acknowledged it's like okay if we
1: don't want to talk about slavery but let's just talk about jim crow let's talk about
0: reconstruction
1: jim reconstruction crow,
0: let's talk about movement, that like
1: let's,
3: some of those people
0: are still alive like the lady who had Emmett Till killed she just died so like even if you don't want to acknowledge the sins of your ancestors ancestors like the people who bought people over here on boats or people who took people out of here on boats um, something has to be said about like how they passed that legacy down that just everybody just didn't become benevolent all of a sudden right look at social media and read comments anytime somebody has an opportunity to say something racist they dive right in
1: you know and 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 it is it's fascinating to me at how that part never gets talked about really and so it's 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 good that we have this source of information to kind of point out these facts beyond just the slavery piece
3: right about the 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 historical violence that followed the grotesqueness the barbarism Mm -hmm. that followed
0: or a civilized nation
3: correct is that's that's the part that even if you even if you say okay we we don't even have to talk about
1: slavery let's not talk about that let's talk about everything else (laughs) let's let's talk about even if we even if you stop it at the
3: 70s even if you 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 know you you go from reconstruction to the 70s let's talk about that was a that was a bleak period of time if you were a black person in this country
1: it's but but again it's that's why we need to remember these things as much as we want to put it to the put it in the past it's like you can't forget that stuff because that is that that is the because to to enslave somebody you have to dehumanize them and to dehumanize somebody you got to be willing to do violence to them
3: and and then and again one kind of begets the other
0: that's exactly right that's exactly right
2: all
3: right well history if you don't know your history you're doing it repeated. and the violence of today is nothing new it's just recreated
1: and it's been now we got cameras to capture it that's it so
0: and people still t- don't want to acknowledge it even on camera the same way they you know painted though they decided how they wanted to describe those people to justify killing them right right they do the same thing now enraged. Somebody gets murder and the first thing they do is pull up what they did in third grade
1: enraged really yeah you came into his home and you were about to murder his father yeah you'd be quite enraged if someone invaded your space and threatened the lives of the people you love you'd be enraged too just but then they
0: said the daddy was already gone no like later in the text it said the daddy wasn't he was already in jail so what was he really there for probably to rape the mama
3: yeah I, i
1: misunderstood i thought i thought they were i thought it mentioned something about him um getting ready to pull a weapon and that's why um
0: he probably was about to pull away so like later on it came out that the dad had already been locked up and he was already oh in the that
1: was the initial story mm-hmm. okay i got you okay 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 yeah i got you okay so their story doesn't even uh wow he probably well, when, was there to
0: rape that rape that lady and he might have got ready to pistol whip her or put the gun on her head to let her rape him and the little boy was like no nah, Now, my yeah. mama you won't wow And they ended up still raping her anyway. That's what let you know what the intentions
2: were. Like before they hanged her, they ended up raping her anyway. Despicable.
1: Well, we like to paint this glorious history, but history is not a pretty thing. And like I said, if you don't know it, like I said, if you don't understand it, if you don't know it, it'll repeat itself. Yep. And if you because yes. if you don't learn your lesson, you're gonna keep on learning it until you get it. And so it's important that these things is as uncomfortable and
2: as as uncomfortable and as sad as they are to hear. It's sad to
3: hear. It's the truth. It's just as valid as any other historical document or
1: historical narrative out there. And
2: <clears throat>
3: anything else on that? No. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm on <laughs> switch gears. Um wow. Well. That's
2: history
3: and you either learn from it or it teaches you, mm-hmm. it comes back to
1: get you. So, but anyway, but well, let's hop to it. Let's get into this day in technology history. Um, Disclaimer, we are not sponsored nor supported by these websites in any way, shape or form. We enjoy reading their content believe the content is is enriching and valuable and so this is what we decided to share so we' are nowhere affiliated with either one of these websites um the information I'm a pre- I'm about to present and have been presenting since we have been live is um, from this day in techhistory.com okay. so if you want to check my resources check my facts that's the source. All right so I got two as well um these are um, both pretty relevant um so uh, i'm gonna start with the one for yesterday and then i'll go um into the one for today so may 22nd 1980 happy birthday pac-man and i'm not talking about the box. i'm talking about pac-man <laughs> <laughs> well you gotta understand I, pac-man me first of too, all i say, heard baby.
0: it in my head like when you were doing the little thing i'm like i know exactly what sound it's making
1: um so namco shout out to um Namco, Namco still going strong, still making some of the greatest video games ever. Mm-hmm. um Namco's upcoming video game Puckman. So it was apparently it was initially named Puckman, which makes sense.
0: Oh, because he uh, shaped like a puck,
1: right? um I So like Namco's that, Namco's upcoming video game Puckman is locate is is location oh. tested in a movie theater complex in Japan. Mm-hmm. After favorable initial testing, the game di- after favorable after favorable initial testing, the game difficulty is slightly tweaked, along with renaming the game to Pac-Man. Okay. Midway Namco's U.S. distributor thought that vandals would alter the letters P to an F. Made sense. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says. While, while the game was not officially released in Japan until July of that year, October 10th, in the U.S., the creators of the game consider May 22nd to be Pac-Man's birthday because it was the first time the game was shown to the general public. Okay. One of the little known facts about Pac-Man is that it was specifically developed to be popular with women. Most video games of that time had war or sports themes to them, Mm. and women were not generally interested in those games.
0: I think it worked.
1: (laughs) Pac-Man would be the first game popular with both men and women and was the first video game to become a social phenomenon. Pac-Man generated over $2.5 billion by the 1990s, becoming one of the highest grossing video games of all time. I'm sure many of you remember Pac-Man fever, but, but Pac-Man was the first video game to break it to the mainstream, forever changing our culture and society. Shout out to Pac-Man. Happy belated yeah. birthday, homie. Wow.
3: Happy wow. Birthday.
0: So Pac-Man, that shares a birthday with our oldest son.
3: Absolutely. He turned 26
0: yesterday. Happy birthday, Mario.
3: All right. So moving into today
2: okay
1: the old world gets connected so we go back a couple we go back a couple decades um may 23rd 1903 paris france rome paris france and rome italy are connected by telephone for the first time feel free to congratulate me for finding the picture at, for finding this picture at that at any time so they had one of those they so in the um cat in the um on the site it has one of those old phones where you pick wow. it up on one ear and you, With you the <laughs> yeah so that's one of the pictures they have for it so may 23rd 1903 Wow, it has france and rome italy are connected by telephone for the first time wow that's
0: yeah that's we have a lot going on and then since the last time we had a show um we missed malcolm x's birthday mm-hmm. on may 19th
2: so happy belated heavenly birthday
3: happy belated we
2: mm-hmm.
3: had a lot going on all right so now we step forward into today mm-hmm
1: all right so what are we talking about today my love so
0: you know your wife be a little extra sometimes but it's okay because you love me and so what if i wanted I do. to do was kind of talk about so today's show is called window seat window seats
1: can i get a window seat I don't want to
0: this. <laughs> so yeah so if you are familiar with erica badu i believe this was the video where she was but naked walking around and she ended up oh. getting a fine for the video.
1: Oh, okay. She oh. was
0: walking oh. around the city. Who saying hood? but bonky naked? Wow. And uh she was fine for that. But anyway, so yeah, so um on a on an educator level, celebrating another black woman. Um, you know, I'm an English teacher.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
0: so I really wanted to honor Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop. If you are an English teacher, NCTM member, you know she has been huge in our profession. And she created almost like a theoretical framework called Windows, Mirrors, and Sliding Glass Doors, okay? okay? And she was talking specifically about how it relates to children's books, right? And so you know how, like, my brain always connects so many things together. And so what she basically said was that, you know, windows help us see into the reality of other people, not just imaginary worlds but the mirror the, th- that should help us like see into what other people are experiencing right they're helping to help into right. develop that empathy and then mirrors mean that everybody should be able to see themselves reflected in the literature they are forced to read or that they okay. enjoy to read right so like obviously if you grew up like me um, as a little black girl you know wanted to i didn't want to be an English teacher but I've always loved to read and I've always been kind of like a fan of language I rarely ever got to see anything that related to me and that's because I only had like two black teachers I think I had three three total black teachers and one of them was only for like a semester but three black teachers my entire k-12 experience so as you know I didn't get a lot of stuff that was a mirror to me I didn't have a problem, um, you know, being a window and looking into the worlds of others. But the problem was that I also deserved that, right? And so it wasn't until I read, like, their eyes are watching God in 11th grade. Uh, shout out to my Sarah Zora New Hurston. I did not see myself reflected in anything. That's a long time for a black girl to go without. Like everything I read was like BC Andrews, um, Sweet Valley High. Are you there, Goddess me, Margaret. You know all that kind of stuff. Judy Bloom. I read everything Judy Bloom. I read like Ramona and Beezus. I didn't. I didn't see anything about characters like me. Right. We read To Kill a Mockingbird, and that black man got killed. Like mm-hmm. just so. It, I, I didn't have one. really anything to see myself. Right. And then sliding glass doors. Are you know how we walk into a story and become a part of that world created by the author? So it gets you fully immersed into another person's experience. And so this is about prioritizing diversity, honoring other cultures, and promoting empathy. But then I thought about Erica Badu's song, Window Seat. And Erica Badu was like, this is not working for me, right? I, I don't need somebody to clap for me. I don't want to be in a place where I feel seen where i feel hurt and so erica badu's song is like the neo soul version of dr brudine sims bishop mirrors windows and sliding glass doors so last week we were talking about holding pattern mm-hmm. but this week we know we not we know we've already identified that we're in a holding pattern but we're going to talk about why are you in that holding pattern what happens if you're trying your best to get out that holding pattern and a part of that holding pattern analysis is to realize you're in the wrong doggone place. So that's what we're talking about today.
2: Sometimes How do we it's move hard. from
0: holding pattern to a window seat? Because I need somebody to clap for me, right? What is that transition like? How do you know when something is wrong for you? how do you know when you're not surrounded by people you can trust how do you know and the first step of getting out of that holding pattern is to acknowledge that you're in one but the next step because before you can agree with God that something better is for you you got to agree with God that the place you're at is not for you so that's what we're going to talk about tonight so you know
1: and and you know I, I, and I think Part of that starts with recognizing, you know. After you recognize that you're in a holding pattern, or you're in some, or you're you're a stranger in a strange land, and you're not where you're supposed to be, or you're not where you're welcome, is rec- is is the is the understand is the recognition and understanding that you deserve to
0: be. That's it.
1: Somewhere where you're celebrated, somewhere where you acknowledged and 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 recognized. Um, I think that I think that's the key thing, and I think that's when you're able to. Seek those opportunities and and you open yourself up to the possibilities, you know, of, you know, an environment change or or, a group change or, you know, changing, you know, your surroundings, you know, um, I already said environment, but, you know, changing your settings, changing your surroundings, the people that you're dealing with, your job. um,
3: Yeah.
0: Because I think everybody, well, most people who are even slightly empathetic are okay with windows right being being places where you celebrate other people Mm -hmm. being places where you help encourage other people and you help lift other people up and you just want to be a part of a winning team right like everybody wants to be a part of a winning team and when you go into a space, right, hopefully you're there because you're willing to, you know, exchange through that sliding glass door. Like I'm a little bit out, I'm a little bit in, but I'm, I'm willing to immerse myself in whatever this culture is, whatever this family is, whatever this team is. The problem is when you don't have the mirror mm-hmm. and, and you don't see anybody reflecting back to you what you authentically are or what you authentically give, right? What you authentically desire to give. And um, I think that's the problem. And I think that's where the Erica Badu song comes in because it's like, this is not working. You know, this is not working for me. And um, I want a window seat. And I don't want to buy next to me. I wanna, I want to figure out who I am. I want to figure out where I need to be. And sometimes that requires a little bit of solitude, right? Isolation and solitude are not the same thing. Isolation is when nobody wants to be around you. Solitude is when like I want to be around myself, right? I'm looking for a ticket out of town, as Erica Mm -hmm. said.
1: That's a choice.
0: Yeah, I'm choosing this because I need to get quiet. I need to get still. And the only the only thing I need to hear from is God and my 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 intuition. Mm-hmm. right not even your heart because what does the bible say you know your heart is deceptive who can trust it who can know it
2: right. but
0: your gut though that's something different
1: your intuition you know when you are in an environment where you're you're like where i could say you're casting your pennies into a into a bottom as well and you're not getting anything back you you i, I think you lose yourself mm-hmm. and when you find yourself, you know, like Eric Obadu saying, "I want a window seat. I don't want no, you know. I want to be, you know, by myself." You get to that point where you, you have kind of given to you, you know, you've given to the bone, yeah. And you know, you you can't give anymore. You given to the point where you've lost yourself a little bit. And you know, the the thing about being, you know, um, supportive is, you know, when you the thing the the when you're not, when you're, when you give support and you don't get it back, that, again, that's that casting your pennies into a bottomless well, you know, and, and especially when you, when you, when you don't have any reserves to replenish you, mm-hmm. when you're the support that don't get support, that's when you, again, that's when that well starts to run dry, and you, and you can lose yourself, you can forget about yourself, and that's when and again, that's when you find yourself in those places where you crave that solitude, where you, where you're just like, I just, I'm just, you know, I'm just done with the whole thing. I want, I want to be somewhere with somebody where I'm celebrated, where I'm recognized for something, not just the other way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah, and I think you know one of the hardest things is that when you're when you're a person who shows up as authentic, it it never even occurs to you that other people don't you know it takes it takes you know but the you know when the bible tells us to be as wise as serpent but as harmless as doves right that's what that's about like you have to know that you're not you know we're we're being sent out into this world um amongst wolves and sheep's clothing right and that's hard for us because like you just, if your, if your heart just isn't involved in stuff like that, you don't think that anybody else is capable of that, but that's not true. You know, we have so much evidence that people are, I'll, I'll put it like this, the best thing I ever learned, and this was what helped me to understand that I should always keep my head on a swivel. right? When I learned that everybody is not necessarily against you, but everybody is always for themselves. hmm they want the same thing you want right and if it's a choice between you getting it and them getting it they're going to choose themselves every single time
1: and that's how i learned that's that's the way i learned how to not take anything personal Mm -hmm. once i realized it's like it's it's not they didn't do that to me they did that for them they're not necessarily now sometimes there you know are people who do it to you
0: yeah because yeah they exist
1: you know that does exist but in most situations i found that it's just that person is just going for themselves they're just trying to get theirs however they get it and it and you don't even necessarily factor right 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 until maybe later right
0: yeah it may be an afterthought like after it's over it's like oh no i didn't mean to do that to that person or whatever but i think um you know we've been talking about this for a few days now and that's why we decided to you know bring it to our audience we've been talking about this idea that most of the decisions that people made that hurt us were not necessarily malicious but they were born from that place of that person's own insecurities Mm -hmm. right like you can actually go farther together than any of the group can go alone right you can go faster together than any of the individual members of the group can go alone but when people are faced with that decision like oh you know what maybe there's only one seat at the table so i can't afford to try to bring this other person with me i've got to take my seat right Right. and then that's that insecurity that like if i don't do it right now it won't come but the thing is is that if you're a part of a team like the bible talks about unity and the Bible talks about dwelling together, right? And how God is there. Like if any two or more of us gather together in His thing, like nothing can be withheld from us. Right. And so when we are, it's in the book of Ecclesiastes about two having, you know, a multiplied return on their on their on their labor. And it's like you may have to wait a little longer to see it, but if you are you stay focused and you're you know, continuously lifting up God and doing what God has called, you know, the team to do and you are on one accord, it will always be better and and there's no sorrow added mm-hmm. to it, right? The blessings of the Lord make it rich and add no sorrow. There's no remorse involved in doing it the right way. But I think a lot about Joseph, right? And I think a lot about how when when Joseph had to interpret those dreams, he asked them, okay, when you get out of here, don't forget me. And the first thing they did was forget him. And they they hurt him, right? But he never stopped being who God made him be because that's, that's God gave him that, right? right? And so it's like, you could have, Joseph ended up being elevated to like the second in command in that kingdom. Those people could have gotten elevated right with, right along with Joseph had they stayed connected to him but they looked at it as in this is joseph's only time he's going to do this they looked at it like a finite resource as opposed to an anointing that god gives joseph could have did that forever he had been doing that his whole life right i didn't i didn't even come from him it came from god and so when you're operating in those types of spaces you have to you have to spend time in prayer to be aware like, is this
2: this person's gift? Because if so, they got tons of that where this came from. Yep.
3: And, you know, it's, and, and when you find yourself in those moments where, you
1: know, kind of digressing back to the point where we were talking about not being in your right environment. Mm-hmm. you know and a lot of times it, it takes some recognition and sometimes we lie to ourselves you know um i know speaking for myself i'm one of those people who i rarely give up on hope i'm always faithful right and the in the idea that something can get better i'm always the mother mindset things can get better but sometimes that's not always true because it it can't just be you who wants it to get better it has to be a collective um it's kind of like when you go to the doctor right you can't go to the doctor and you want to stay sick but the doctor want to get you well it, it don't it don't work like that you know it has if you if you go to the doctor and the doctor tell you what to do but you go home and you know and and
3: you decide that you're going to ignore all the doctor's advice and you wonder why you stay sick yep you know and so
1: is, you know, so it is it's in those moments where when you realize that you're you're at a you're at a turning point, you're at a crossroads potentially. You could stay with this notion with that with the hopes that things could get better, or you could venture, you could bet on yourself and venture into the unknown. And a lot of times is is it's one a saying is it is it, pain is an indication that something is wrong.
0: That's it.
1: And when you're in constant pain, whether it's psychological, physical, emotional, sometimes you have to do the courageous thing in in a such situation. And sometimes that's not that's easier said than that's sometimes it's easier said than done because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we have comfort. One of the base one of the basis of human nature is to seek comfort. And when we're comfortable in the place, we'll stay in something that is the that is incredibly detrimental to us for the sake of comfort. It's what you know. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, right? And so
3: wisdom teaches you to treat the pain. It's to acknowledge it, see what's wrong,
1: do something about it. It's in immaturity where we sometimes find ourselves trying to push through and fight through and no, I can, I'm going to beat this. But you get to a point where you're like, okay, I've been through this enough. And when you, when you leverage your wisdom, you shorten your learning curve. That's good. That's the benefit of learning from your elders Mm -hmm. and listening to people who know more than you. And I've been I've been one of those knuckleheads who've had people tell me if if I was you this is what I would do and I'm like no I don't want to do it because again it was a source of comfort it was what I knew not knowing that wisdom was shortening my learning curve and if I had listened to a lot more people who were giving me advice my role would have been a lot shorter the learning curve wouldn't have been so steep and. And sometimes that's a really challenging thing to do. It's again, you know, youth, the the feeling of having time, the feeling of invincibility. Because sometimes that's what youth tells you is that I got I got time and you know I'm invincible. It'll, you know, I'll get through it. And it's like, well, you don't necessarily have to. And so you know, saying that to say, you know, when you when you recognize those moments where you're not you're in a situation where you're not being appreciated, you're not being acknowledged, you're not being respected. Sometimes you have to say, OK, it's it, it's it, it's time to make a change. And sometimes that's.
3: Where are your options? What's worth it to you? is it your, 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 your respect your dignity or comfort
1: again comfort is the enemy comfort is a dangerous thing
2: yeah
1: it's a very dangerous thing and it can put us in position to put up with loads of you know loads of things that you don't necessarily deserve or have to even put up with if you're just willing to make that pivot one of my one of my one of my biggest motivations nowadays is to understand change at a fundamental level and to it, and, and 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 to learn to truly embrace it cuz I, I i my understanding is you you can only truly embrace what you understand on some level yeah and when you understand the nature of change the effects of change you can more readily anticipate it and be prepared for it. Because when you understand that change is a constant, you prepare for it. And again, that's one of those things that is hard when that's one of the things that you don't, that's hard to learn in your your youth. Because you just want everything to be the same, 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 same. Because it's, it's it's either fun, it's either comfortable, it's either stimulating, um, or it's 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 just that stimulus. It's just it's giving, it's feeding the need. And when you and you know when needs get satisfied, you 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 tend to go to where you get your needs satisfied. <laughs> One way you know, and that could be either good or bad. You know, it's just as long as that it gets scratched, you're gonna go to where you get what you need. And so, you know, so it's, it''s it's important to recognize
3: those moments, to m- recognize when you're in a moment of pivot. You're at a crossroads
1: where you where you either have to confront, where you either have to confront your comfort
3: or grow. And you have to decide which one is more important. And sometimes that that scale,
1: that comfort is listen. Mm-hmm. That no, that comfort is something else. But and dreams go to die. Listen, it is, but it is so easy to underestimate because it's 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 insidious. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't get an announcement from comfort one day and say I'm on my way. Comfort just kind of creep in, yeah. And before you know it, you eight years, nine years deep into something, you're like, mm-hmm. what happened?
0: Yeah, and 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 I think what you what you kind of hinted on is you know when you when you talked about um comfort there's also that element of pride mm-hmm.
3: your ego oh, woo.
0: right it, like your ego tells you
3: they're not possibly hour.
0: getting over on me uh this is happening because this is you know like i'm on top of my game so like nobody's getting over on me you know you there's all kinds of things that your ego tells you mm-hmm. and i just want to be clear you know that th- we're talking about any kind of relationship not it, it could happen to parents it could happen to children it could happen in the workplace it could happen in your church it could happen anywhere and so we're not talking about a specific place we're talking about a, a state of mind a state of being right and so with that said I want to kind of get close us out with some tips on how to know when you're when wherever you are that space you're in is no longer a good fit for you and it's definitely challenging, but let's look at some signs, right? Because that's important. You've got to know what are some signs. And if you feel these signs, don't get mad at us, right? Like, 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 like Dee was saying earlier, pain is a sign that change needs to happen. It doesn't have to be some kind of overwhelming change, but life is all about letting go of getting dragged. Yep. So you can either make the change on your own or let the change be made for you. And only one of those is going to be only somewhat slightly in your control so the first thing is do you still have passion or interest do you still have enthusiasm for the work for the relationship for the opportunity and does that thing align with your personal interests or values and if it did in the past but it doesn't now that's a sign that it's not right for you anymore time to make that shift The next thing is feeling stuck. We talked about holding patterns last week. Feeling stuck or unfulfilled. If it doesn't challenge you and if it doesn't provide you with a sense of fulfillment or you feel stagnant or trapped in your current situation, that's an indication that it's time to explore other things. Exploring those other things might scare you. It might scare the living daylights out of you, but it's also an opportunity for you to prepare yourself for whatever that next is, right? because whatever you're preparing yourself for is your whatever you seek is seeking you and so if you're preparing yourself for those other opportunities they will come to you but if you just stay stuck it doesn't matter how gifted and talented you are you're gonna stay stuck right there and nothing good will ever come to you and you will the next thing is what's your long-term goals is is this thing aligned with your long-term goals Like, who do you want to be Mm-hmm. and if you just on that job because it pays your bills but it's not
2: aligned with who you aspire to be or what kind of legacy you want to leave be about be about you might have outgrown it maybe
0: the profession that you started in is not even going to be there in a few years and god is trying to tell you figure out something else
1: right read the writing
0: Because that happens. You know what I'm saying? If it's a toxic, negative work environment, if you don't feel supported, if it conflicts with your personal values, um, it's going to have that significant impact on your well-being and your professional growth. So pay attention to the signs of constant stress, lack of collaboration, or unhealthy dynamics. Okay? We're halfway through. Five, loss of motivation and engagement if you consistently feel disengaged, uninterested, or find it challenging to stay motivated or committed to the opportunity, it may indicate that it's no longer the right fit for you. So if you're
2: struggling to get up and go to that place every Monday, don't just beat yourself up about
0: it. What, are, what is your spirit trying to tell you? If you are teaching and you no longer love those kids like you used to, don't just stay there because that's the only thing you know how to do because the only way teaching works is if you love the kids. The the profession is so hard. It's so hard and listen.
1: Thankless. The
0: only way you can stay in that job and do well is if you love those babies and so if you've gotten to the place where the babies get on your nerves too, it's time for you to go. Six is the lack of growth or learning opportunities. If that thing don't stretch you, it ain't from God
3: if it
1: don't change if it don't challenge you it won't change you
0: Mm-mm. if it's not giving you opportunities for personal or professional growth or if it's, there's no skill development opportunities or advancement or learning experiences is hindering your progress so being able to do with your eyes closed and in your sleep that's limiting your potential right it's comfortable but it ain't it ain't nothing good that's gonna come of that trust your gut that's number seven intuition and gut feeling sometimes your intuition can provide you valuable insights if you have a persistent gut feeling that something is off or that the opportunity no longer serves you you got to trust your instincts and explore those feelings further you have to right Mm -hmm. eight what's the impact on your overall well-being if you crash every friday night and spend your whole weekend in the bed getting drunk or whatever the case may be That job is costing you too much. I don't care how much it's paying you. If it is constantly causing you excessive stress, burnout, decline of your overall well-being, you got to prioritize your health and consider other opportunities that are worthy of whatever toll they take. You know, and sometimes we just say, well, if they pay me more, I wouldn't care. If it was stressing you out like that, you ain't going to be allowed to see the money. So it don't matter. Right. Number nine, it's incompatible with the values or your culture. If you gotta go in there and ignore every ounce of your black self, if you gotta go in there and ignore every ounce of your woman self in order to just fit in, don't do that. It's just not gonna be for you, right? Because ultimately what it's gonna do is create ongoing conflicts and dissatisfaction, right? And then they'll be calling you toxic instead of calling the workplace toxic. And then next thing you know, you're up out of there. Do yourself a favor and find a place where you fit well. And last but not least, if it does not have any future prospects or opportunities for you to advance, develop, or a clear path for growth inside that little space,
2: that ain't for you, Chief.
3: Yep. You know, I, I want to, you know, share, you know, one of the... The greatest, the greatest times in my life for growth is when I kind of
1: abandoned my comfort. Mm-hmm. And that was when I left home. All I had was my truck, a couple of suitcases, and all my clothes. And my PlayStation. That was it.
0: Not the PlayStation. But well, I, well, I understand. I see
1: I, that. <laughs> I, I, took a, I took a chance because I essentially bet it on myself you know i was in a situation in my in my current role where i was having constant run-ins with my current leader mm-hmm. who was you know constantly questioning my judgment questioning my productivity um questioning my value um and really making my day-to-day difficult um and was at times challenging me, not just at a, not just on a professional level, but as a, as a man mm. and really overstepping boundaries and, and being in, and, and really wanting to get me out of character. Yep. And one thing that I've you know always been to a fault was patient and I've never really, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, one of my faults is waiting for the perfect shot. So I never, I was, I never let him cross that line like that.
3: Mm -hmm. And I took an opportunity to, to travel and there was little
1: to no safety net. Again, like I said, it was just me, my truck and my, you know, and the clothes I had and the playstation and your playstation (laughs) that's your homeboy that that playstation kept me company on so many lonely occasions but anyway but i was on the road driving from location from city to city for hours you know i was staying i was staying in location for a few months um do my job drive to drive to the next city stay for several months drive to the next city and i would be in the car i would be in my truck for hours and being young i had no idea what i was venturing into i didn't know you know i had no idea that some of the areas that i had ventured into was as dangerous as they were Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes ignorance is bliss yeah you know but i knew one thing i knew i knew you know i knew i could fight i knew i could scrap
0: you were like, trying you, to fight
1: somebody anybody you're like okay at the very least i knew you know i can handle myself with my hands i knew i knew that part i was like all right i'm, I'm a train you know I'm, I'm i'm trained to do this so you you bark up this tree there's gonna be some problems for you you know at the very least you you're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna you know you're you gonna have to be a bunch of y'all at the very least right and and so but that the being willing to expand into the unknown and go places where I had, I had no, no foundation, didn't know anybody. So I had to recreate my support system every time I went. Cause again, Mm -hmm. I was only there for like a few, like a month at the very, at the most, um, I think the longest I stayed in, in the city was about six months. Okay. But the, you know, and, and sometimes it was as little as, you know, three, you know, three or four weeks and to build a a support system you know and you know luckily i had um kickboxing muay thai and that was an easy way for me to find a community because i just go to a gym and you know and i could connect with the people at the gym and you know you you don't know somebody until you punch them in until they punch you in the face um and So I made a lot of really good friends just through that. And that was all, that was really, you know, all I needed. And, you know, I say all that to say that when you, when you find yourself at that crossroads and you, you keep bumping up against this, you know, you got an immovable object bumping up that's being, that's running it. You have an unstoppable force move bumping up against an immovable object. And when you find yourself in that role, in that position, which I was, you have to either pivot and move and be that unstoppable force in a different direction, or you got to stick with your comfort and spin your wheels and waste your energy. And one of the greatest things I ever did was step outside of my comfort. And once I decided to let go of comfort and get out into the world and, and see what I could do. I, I grew and flourished in so many ways. I grew as not just as a professional, but as a person, Yeah, learning how to communicate and connect with different people Um, and learning that the world was so much bigger than what I knew and to be able to adju- learn how to adjust to it any situation, any climate, any environment, because everywhere I went, I was in a totally different city, not just, you know, a different part of town, sometimes different cities, sometimes different states and learning to be flexible enough to and open enough to explore the unknown and, and allow and trust myself enough to allow myself to expand into the situation and know that in, in any situation I can handle myself and and being able to embrace change.
3: But it all starts with trusting yourself. Yeah. And trusting that you can
1: adjust. Because if you trust the situation or your comfort more than you trust yourself, you're a slave to that situation.
3: That's good, babe.
1: And it is, it is until you realize that
3: The situation has a hold of you you're going to be locked into that until you recognize that most things
1: and that a lot of things in life is an addiction
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to have a hold of you but it wasn't until i realized that you know i you know at that moment when i had to make that change i loved my job so much I loved, you know, I love my, I love what I was doing and, you know, the environment I was in, not just at work, but the the, the situation I had at home, you know, the, all my little comforts Mm -hmm. is, 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 is the, the good and the bad. I realized that I wasn't growing. I realized that I was spinning my wheels and then I had to take a personal inventory. And when I found myself, you know, facing myself, you know, Feeling like I wanna, I wanna fight my boss, and you know, I wanna, you know, not fight them, and and I wanna do, you know, all of, you know, just these un, you know, these unrealistic, these these unhealthy things, these these very destructive things. I'll say that Mm -hmm. self destruction, self sabotage. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, because that's self sabotage.
1: Because you would have went to jail. Yeah, you know, it was it was self sabotage, and again, you know, never being one to be impulsive. Um. I was glad that I made the decision I made. And it was interesting, you know, ironically enough, the same boss that I was having run-ins with was like, yeah, man, go ahead and do it. Even if it's, even if you take a pay cut, go ahead and do it. And uh, I was so like, he
2: was sick of you too.
1: I was like, no, we was already sick of each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I run, and, and I want to say, and, and lo and behold, the job I had applied for the hiring team member, team leader reached out to me day after told me what my starting pay was
3: and which more. was
1: like four or five dollars more than i was currently making and then i had then i was like can we bump it up another dollar he was like of course yeah <laughs> i was like Come on in, right. i went to i went to work the next day i looked him in his face i said here's my two weeks i'm gone I'll 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 document everything you need to know upon so that part that way upon my departure you have everything you need and so um and here we are today and I was and 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 I was glad that I was patient I was glad that I I I understood you know um I had I had taken you know um I had been in my you know I had studied martial arts long enough to know how to breathe in times of pressure Mm. And how to control myself in times of chaos, because when somebody else is out of control, it's easy to lose control. And when you have another uh, uh, an, an, an old an, an adult who, compared to me at the time, I was I was considered a kid at the
2: time yeah.
1: to this person, yeah. and this person was completely irate, unreasonable, um, and just really condescending. And I had learned how to stay calm and just be like, don't react don't try to talk over him don't even argue with him just let him have his words let him say what he needs to say respond to him go back and do your job and through patience diligence I found my opportunity and once I was willing to make that change was when the opportunity showed itself yeah but as long as I was like I ain't going nowhere I'm I'm gonna bump up against this until I win I was going, I, I was, I was, I was going home. It, it was, it was nothing that could soothe my pain, you know? Um, But it wasn't until I was like, you know what? I'm willing. Yeah. And the opportunity showed itself and the rest is history.
0: And I think you hit on something like supremely important because, you know, babies come out head first and if they don't, something's wrong. Right? right. And so like, you have to decide in your mind, you have to agree with God in your heart that I'm ready to move. Mm -hmm. There is no need for God to present you with other opportunities if you're just going to stay stuck. Once you change your mind, then everything else will align with it. Like there's Mm -hmm. no need for you to be crying and lamenting about staying stuck somewhere. And then when the opportunity presents itself, you're going to come up with all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. God is just waiting on you to agree that something better is out there.
1: And speaking about changing your mind, one of the key elements that you that you touched on was that I had changed my mind in terms of how I saw that person. Mm-hmm. I decided that, you know what? You're not my enemy. You got I, I was reading the book that told that the book said to me, you can't dislike something in another person that you don't want. First of all, disliking yourself. And when. I read that 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 expanded my mind and and once I started realize once I started tr- at least trying to see myself in him, and I could see my arrogance, I could see my lack of humility, I could see you know parts of myself. I was like, you know what, this person isn't my enemy. After he listened to it, and I and and then I started listening to what he was saying in terms of how I could use it to my benefit and once I started doing and and when that moment came when he was like yeah you should take it even if you take sometimes if you sometimes you got to take a lateral move to go forward when he said that to me that's when I was like okay you know what even if they offer me the same pay I'm gonna take this job and when I opened myself to that opportunity and when I talked to that hiring team and he mentioned that he mentioned my starting pay was like I said about five dollars more than I was currently making I was like and and that right there, I was like, okay, I have learned, I have cracked some of this matrix.
3: Well, let's do it again. Cause we both
0: in transition. Like we're always in transition. Because team, team dunlap always learning, growing, trying to figure out what's next. We agree with God that there's more out there for us. So
1: absolutely.
0: I'm I'm down with it. Where are we going next, me, daddy?
1: Hey, we making moves, you know. We make a move. We're gonna touch and agree Okay. we ain't gonna tell we ain't gonna tell the world or y'all go y'all just gonna have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, one thing I have learned is and Bishop T.D.J. said, don't tell, don't, uh-uh. don't tell people what I, you're doing. Don't tell people what you're doing. If you
0: see me getting quiet, it's probably because a hey, you pissed me off, but B, I'm working on something. I don't and... tell,
1: I don't tell nobody nothing. And the closest people to tell you, yeah, D don't tell you nothing that he doing. He just disappearing. <laughs> he just disappearing. You, you talk to him a few years later. Hey, man, where you been? Oh, yeah, I made a move. And blah, yep. blah, blah. like, dude, yep. you ain't saying. No, why? That's it. <laughs> why? Why? So so you could tell me every reason not to do also, it. Oh, so you can no. pray against me. You know, no, I'm, I don't need nothing changing my mind. Once I make my mind up and every, and again, anybody close to me will tell you once, once D makes his mind up. Once I make that, I don't talk to people. That won't tell people nothing I'm doing. Because once I make my mind up, I don't want nobody. Because I think too much and I, and I, take, too, I take everything into consideration. And so when I make my mind up, it's like, nope, because I know me. And once I get something, once, once my logic kick in, like, hmm, that person's sitting like, nope, mm-mm, nope, I know me too well. This is my decision and I'm making it. I appreciate, I appreciate the thought, but it ain't necessary.
2: Well, this has been so good we're a little
0: overtime but it's only because we're so passionate and about growth and, and
1: getting ain't the wrong with absolute
0: best of what god has for us but
1: overtime where you make the money
2: <laughs> i love
1: you
3: overtime sir. is where champions are made let's get it if I, but with that with that being
1: said those of you all who have home with us up until now we appreciate y'all y'all are true champions
0: we do we do
1: y'all are true champions the champions are made in the later rounds and so we took this one kind of deep um out into the later rounds and we appreciate your um attention and with that being said we're gonna go ahead and wrap this thing up put a bow on it stick a fork in and call it done this has been another episode of It together with dunlaps i am your co-host deontay
0: and i'm shakima
1: and we are the dunlaps,
0: the
2: dunlaps.
1: you can catch us again next week Next Tuesday, same black time, same black channel, six p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live. Join us, and if you can't join us, you can catch us on Spotify, YouTube, and um, whatever other podcasting um, platform that you choose. Whatever you choose, we we on time out. On time out, find us, look us up, and with the Dunlaps. Bye, y'all.